1-800-KIVA-EBQ.FM-ROCKOFTALK.COM. I'm Eddie Erg on the Rock of Talk with me, Jeffrey Candelaria. Straight talk here for a Saturday afternoon. Jeff is in the house uh, here on this Hollow's Eve Halloween weekend here. And uh, as always, we appreciate you tuning in, listening in, and uh, listening to the hardest-hitting Interviews and talks and insight and information from Jeff Candelaria. Take it away, sir. Absolutely. Eddie, by the way, what was your favorite Halloween costume when you were a child uh, trick-or-treating? My mother dressed me as a hobo. A hobo? Yes. She wow. uh, she got uh, overalls and a plaid shirt, and they put a bunch of makeup on me, and they made sure that I couldn't walk. I had to, like bounce left to right left to right and there's like a hundred pictures of it because it was the funniest thing and <laughs> they got newspapers and just stuffed me with it and i yeah. could hardly move so it's interesting you use that word hobo i i really like to use the word hobo there's just something stylistically <laughs> it is, interesting it, about the yeah, word hobo, hobo you know? well, it seems uh, more like a choice right it almost know? like a lifestyle yeah, yeah you're like just, hobo uh, is almost a lifestyle I'm, I'm hoboing yeah, yeah i like it i used to like to dress like count uh dracula oh yeah because i was gonna of, ask because of my Catholic upbringing, you oh, know, the, yeah. the the transference of Jesus into blood Whoa. and flesh. That's deep at an early know, age there, young man. That's vampiric, yeah. if you will. That'll be a different show. Okay. Thank you again, Eddie Otterdon, for uh, producing the show. And really well, lots it, of compliments on the last show. I, I just, since we're on Halloween, sure. uh, your uh, transference in terms of how to handle death, uh, yeah, that was pretty incredible. With the anthologist. Anthologist, and i got to tell you, I got three phone calls on that, which were all very interesting. I said, hey, here's the guy, you can call him yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> they wanted to know, so there you go. Thank you so much again, Eddie Otterdon, for not only uh, mentoring me and, and giving me this platform, but producing the show. It takes a lot of work. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Candelaria. Every Saturday we are with you from 1 to 2 p.m. on 1600 AM, that's Amplitude Modulation, and my show is called Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, because if anybody knows me, I am a very direct guy, very authentic, right to the point, I don't like uh, nonsense, I don't like screwing around, and not everybody likes it, but I'll tell you, if you want something done, I get it done with the help of God, and a sense of pragmatism. Today, we're going to talk to a couple of guests, one at a time. My first guest is a business associate of mine and somebody who has taken me under his wing. I've learned a great deal uh, from this gentleman. His name is Hassan uh, Aslami, and he is the owner of Pizza 9 and Fundaxi and other entrepreneurial endeavors. But today we're going to talk for the first uh, part of Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria about franchising your restaurant, your business, with a localized touch. And in the second part of our program on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, we're going to talk to Rebecca Chavis about this really unique fundraising apparatus that Mr. Islami also invented, and we'll talk about how you can fundraise for your local charity and or nonprofit organization. Mr. Islami, welcome to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be in your presence. I enjoy your, uh, your energy, your entrepreneurial uh, spirit. And with that, before we get into how to franchise, because it's a very complicated thing, but in some ways it's not that complicated, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. You started in the restaurant business, I understand, in Illinois and Chicago. Is that right? Uh, so, actually, I, I am a, I'm a civil engineer. I graduated from uh, Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. And, uh, but right uh, before, uh, when I started working for my master's, I... I, I started working for PepsiCo, and I had a great boss that uh, built my interest, uh, made me passionate about the uh, food industry, and I stayed in the food industry. Actually, I started that in uh, uh, New Mexico uh, back in the 80s, and I was on a few special projects for PepsiCo. Uh, one was uh, in Santa Fe. They, uh, PepsiCo wanted to deliver pizzas uh, and not the traditional way. Uh, and they, they would have trucks like ambulances, and uh, we would have a complete kitchen in the truck, and we will uh, deliver. Once we would do the delivery, we will be in your parking lot, and uh, uh, the pizza is still be in the oven, coming out of the oven. So it was a very interesting project, but, uh, but not as profitable as traditional delivery. So, but I did that for a while. 
My guest is Mr. Hassan Aslami. He's the owner of Pizza Nine. I'm sure many of you have visited his restaurants, uh, uh, numerous uh, here, not only in Albuquerque, but he has one in El Magordo, one in Gallup, uh, I believe one in Santa Fe, and it's Chicago-style pizza. And let's start with that. Uh, the style of pizza in and of itself is Chicago-style, so it's a thicker, uh, is it a thicker presentation versus the, the thinner crust? So uh, Chicago is more famous for its deep-dish pan pizza. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, there is so many pizza places in Chicago, so uh, there is thin crust, but mostly Chicago is associated with a deep dish, uh, thicker pizza, which we have. We have a pizza called Double Dish, which the sauce is on the top, and uh, it uh, it's one of, uh, it, it's, it's a good selling pizza. And, uh, of course, you know, like New York style is more of a hand-tossed and, Chicago is more of a deep dish. We we pride ourselves on still be uh, one of the uh, only pizza places that make the dough fresh daily at each restaurant, so we don't uh, send it the uh, a dough from a central commissary. So yeah. hopefully we can continue doing that for a long time. It's like uh, businesses that franchise making great sandwiches. Bread is is a key element to the to the sandwich of in of itself. But sometimes we as consumers don't. We kind of take that piece of that element, which is so fundamental to the actual stylistic piece. We take that for granted. So with you all, one of your uh, non-negotiables is the uh, the fresh, freshly made dough. Yes, exactly. And and again, you know, there is someone there uh, in some of the stores at six, seven in the morning making the fresh dough, and the kids take a lot of pride at that. And uh, you know, and our uh, our dough. Has a shelf life, so we uh, we don't use the dough that's left over. Uh, you know, usually, you know, we have a really good estimate of what we're going through for through a certain day, and, and that's what we use. Very good. Again, folks, we're talking with Mr. Hassan Aslami. He's the owner of Pizza Nine. Also, he owns Cello Grill, a Mediterranean-style food. If you haven't been up there, it's on Cutler San Mateo, right off of I-40. Delicious Mediterranean-style. Uh, presentation of food, and also we're going to talk a little later with Rebecca Chavis about this fundraising uh, fundraising uh, apparatus called Fundaxi. So you are in Chicago, third largest city in the United States, uh, very uh, heavily Italian influence. We all know that. How did you transfer from civil engineering, you know, building bridges and infrastructure, to you know, building a pizza? <laughs> You know, back in college, I had a college uh, roommate, uh, Frank Strong. Uh, he actually, uh, he he was from New Mexico, but he went to school in Iowa. When we both graduated, he was a mechanical engineer, and I was a civil engineer. So he had seen how I operate uh, restaurants, so he offered uh, to uh, be a partner of mine, and, and we opened the a pizza place in uh, in Chicago, and uh, just went from there, and, yeah. and uh, kept building uh, building it uh, through uh, opening more corporate more more stores that we owned, and then uh, through some of our customers were interested in franchising, and that's when I uh, I started uh, uh, checking on see what franchising is uh, all about, and, and and learned a great deal about franchising. And, and that's a one way of uh, expanding your business. I realized that uh, 50 cents out of every dollar in every in the business in this country is spent through a franchise operation. So uh, that uh, that's what I pursued. And yeah, uh, that's an enormous economic market share. 50 cents on every dollar is attached to a franchise operation in this country. That's half of every dollar. That's an enormous economic market share. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's uh, that's the numbers that I've been uh, I've been reading, and and of course that's not a lot of people associate that those just food service, but it is not. It's a dental operation, it's a uh, tire operation, it's it's every kind of aspect of business. Yeah, yeah, sure. Target, Home Depot, right, right, right. all of those kinds of things. Uh, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelari with you every Saturday from one to two p.m. Tell your friends about the show. We. Uh, Try to bring, uh, bring interesting, relevant content to you every Saturday. Thank you, Eddie Ottergoen, for sponsoring Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelier. So here you are in Chicago, third largest city in our country. Numerous other pizza 
establishments already there, probably for in, in some cases eighty years, hundred years. And how did you how did you build your competitive edge? And then let's talk about what your segue into back to Albuquerque. So, what was your competitive edge? And what did you learn in Chicago opening up a pizza restaurant with all that you know myriad of myriad of of competition? Well, uh, you know, Chicago is. Uh, I lived there ten years, and it's divided into certain counties uh, that uh, you know. So, the Chicago itself is a Cook County, and then uh, there is uh, uh, northern and southern part. Most of our restaurants were uh, were located in the Will County area, uh, which is uh, uh, not as heavily uh, com- competitive. In the in the Chicago market itself, so I was in the suburb area, and we uh, we kept building in a smaller rural areas like Plainfield, uh, Illinois, and uh, uh, Bolingbroke uh, areas like that. And that uh, you know, of course, once you build that base, and then you get the advertising dollars, and that's what is beautiful about uh, franchising because every franchisee don't. Uh, contributes a percentage, in our case it was about a 1% to add fund, and then you use you take all that 1% and you use that in that de- demographic area, and it, yeah. it, it, it becomes a good sum of money. Very good. So for the first part of the show, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, we're talking with a local business entrepreneur, Pizza 9 owner, cello grill owner, and a fundaxi owner about how to franchise with a localized touch. So what brought you to Albuquerque, and then did you start your, your Pizza 9 here, or was it started in Chicago? Talk about your transition from Chicago to Albuquerque. So, uh, you know, of course, it's the weather. You know, the weather here is fantastic. Uh, you know, Chicago is, although it's a gorgeous city, but it's very cold. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, when I went uh, uh, overseas uh, for about uh, 10 years, and when I decided to come back and uh, and start, I, I wanted to go somewhere with much nicer weather, and I had friends and uh, friends and uh, uh, that I knew uh, in here, and I we came in. Uh, I came in and we started. I started the uh, Pizza Nine back in uh, 2008, and uh, so we've been. You know, Did you been, start with one store? Or yeah, we started. Store? Well, we started one store. It's our flagship store was uh, on uh, Gibson. Uh, actually, that one is. Uh, uh, we are building a, a franchise right on University that's going to be replacing that store. Uh, it's going to be on uh, uh, University and by the kind of by the airport. Yeah. So when you built your first store, that was your anchor store. Did you have the strategic uh, uh, thought of of expanding even then, or did you just want to build an anchor store and kind of see what how that uh, you know how that operation unfurled? No, no, that's exactly what I had in mind. Of course, you know, being back in Chicago, I had inquired about how how to expand the business. You know, you have a few choices. One, you could do uh, corporate locations, which each one will cost uh, a, a good sum of money. But if you do franchising, you can uh, get the to get the investor and also the the people that want the workforce. I think that's the most important thing right now with franchising. It will bring the f- workforce uh, for you. So, uh, and so that's what we had in mind. Uh, and uh, we, of course, we had to build a really nice operation first, uh, which we did. And uh, and of course, I had a partner that helped me out throughout this process, and he's still uh, helping me out building the stores. Yeah. So let's talk about fundamentals. What is a franchise? So our listeners really kind of get a grasp as to what that construct is all about a franchise so uh, a franchise uh, just like uh, any any regular business is uh, the the only thing is uh, you work under a license you have to follow a certain recipe specification Uh, not everyone will make a good franchisee uh, so uh, you you have to really have the qualities you uh, if you can run a successful restaurant you can of course run a successful franchise also Right. But there is uh, certain rules you have to uh, follow in terms of hours of operation, in terms of uh, following the operations manual. 
So uh, all of that. Uh, so consistency of systems, exactly. brand integrity, uh, consistency of menu items and ingredients and all of that. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, some companies, they do decide uh, they go through franchising uh, and that's how they expand. And, and some companies, they don't. They just do corporate. Uh, we have uh, we have about uh, close to half of our restaurants that are corporate-owned now. And uh, so we have been opening corporate locations like Alamogordo, uh, uh, Gallup, uh, Spaniola or so. But we do have a, a good, uh, about 10 fantastic franchisees from Farmington and uh, Albuquerque. Uh, our newest one is uh, uh, in uh, on golf course, uh, Richard Solomon, and he, he does a great job. Yeah. He has two stores. My guest is Hassan Aslami. He is the owner of Pizza 9 Franchise and the territory here in New Mexico. Also, Cello Grill. He also runs uh, Fundaxi. We're going to talk about that. So when our listeners, again, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, you know, they're, they're driving around Albuquerque or any city arbitrarily or town, and they see a McDonald's franchise or they see a Burger King or they see a Whataburger, are some of those franchises corporate attached to a corporation and are some independently run and if so what are the differences is pizza nine do you have independent operators and do you have corporate operators and what is the difference between an independent franchise and a corporate owned franchise uh, so uh, they uh, each each company decides what percentage of their restaurants they want to own themselves and what percentage they want to franchise so if you take like a company like subway I think at one time they owned like maybe one or uh, out of 40,000 restaurants, maybe one or 40 of uh, the, their, uh, the restaurants themselves. So, And uh, you take a company like McDonald's, I think at one time I read that they owned 20, about 20, 23% of their stores were corporate owned. Okay. So corporate owns, that mean they invested the money, they built it, they own it completely. The other 70 plus percent of McDonald's, they're all franchises that, uh, based on certain criteria, they have awarded those to certain people that worked for them for a long time and they had the investment. So those are the only two categories, uh, that, uh, uh, exist, you know. So you either decide, you know, at one time at Pizza Nine, we wanted to be a completely a franchise organization and maybe own one one or two corporate stores, but we changed our mind on that. So we are about, almost we own about half of our restaurants and half of them are franchises, you know, because uh, we, we look for uh, great franchisees. Yeah, and you are looking to expand in, in certain select markets in New Mexico. If you're interested, anyone listening to Straight Talk, give me a call, Jeffrey Candelaria, 505-604-9081, and I'll direct you to Mr. Aslami, and we'll take care of you. So what are the benefits? I think I know uh, kind of instinctively what the benefits are to owning a, franchi a franchise versus, let's just use a restaurant, for example, like yours, versus starting a pizza place from scratch versus already inheriting brand integrity, menus, and all that. What are some of the benefits of owning and buying into a franchise? So it takes, uh, you know, we'll take uh, all the guesswork uh, out of the, uh, you know, from A to Z we do, you know, from menu specifications to uh, setting up marketing and all that. And basically, a, a franchise owner will pay a certain percentage, uh, uh, which is called royalty, and, and that varies, you know, in our case, is about 5.5%. And for that, they hire our team, uh, team of experts that would guide them through all aspects of the operation, whether it's looking for insu proper insurance, whether it's marketing, whether uh, it's uh, adding a new product on board, uh, etc. So that's uh, that's really part of the yeah. So so somebody wants to buy into a franchise, they're they under, they're getting your expertise and your experience of what's successful and actually what to possibly avoid. Yeah, uh, of course. And the way we the way I look at it, uh, you know, of course, we like you said, we franchise. Uh, throughout the state of New Mexico. At one time, we had plans on going outside the state, but we really don't uh, don't have that in mind right now. We 
like to do New Mexico. We have about 20, uh, almost 20 locations in the New Mexico area, and we're looking for other areas like Clovis, uh, uh, Roswell, and other areas where we can have a good presence. And uh, because when we take that and we take our advertising dollars, it goes a long way when it's just in one state. Uh, when you overstretch yourself and yeah. go to other markets, it becomes tougher. Well, plus, you know, we've had this conversation before. Certain markets have a certain stylistic palette as well. Mm-hmm. And in Washington, Seattle, Portland, mm-hmm. I don't think hot red chili is necessarily going to go over well. And we, we take that for granted because our culture is kind of acclimated to that, our, our palates, versus the spiciness of, let's say, New Orleans, maybe a chili like what we're used to in New Mexico might go over well. So I don't want to spend too much time with that, but just remember, uh, folks, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Localized palates and culture are also part of the dynamic when you're creating a menu or a franchise. Uh, So, Mr. Islami, let me ask you another question. Although nothing is definitively uh, absolute, what generally makes for a good franchise owner? What are you vetting for? When someone comes to you and says, I want to open a franchise, what makes for a good franchise owner? So I, I, I like to definitely look at their background to see what kind of management background they have had. Uh, because pe- sometimes people buy franchises or open businesses for the wrong reason. Uh, we really, especially in the food services, it's very sensitive uh, subject. You have to have passion and you have to love this business to do it. So if uh, uh, if someone uh, is not, because it becomes a lot of repetitive work uh, that they have to do on a daily basis, on the opening procedures, closing procedures, they uh, on the sanitation, on, on, on just, there's just so much involved in it. And we want to make sure the person really understands the whole, uh, the whole philosophy behind it before they get on board. Yeah. Besides the fact they have to be really a good, uh, good person in terms of management, customer service, uh, because, you know, customer service does, uh, is, uh, it, it speaks very loudly how, how you treat the customers, especially nowadays, uh, during the pandemic. So yeah. we want to make sure that the person understands all of that area. And, and so we, we take them through the, a lot of interview process in our office and, Talk to all of our staff. Yeah, uh, our staff has been with us uh, some of the from the beginning. Some of them, and some have joined us five, six years ago. So you know, we have a very knowledgeable team yeah. that helps them out. But to your point, the details, the devil's is always in the details, the nuance of a business. It's not just so much you make a pizza. Here it is, eighty eighteen dollars, whatever it is. It, it, all these other things that surround the process, the systems, the sanitation. The way you greet a customer, mistakes happen. How do you rectify that? All those things build a loyal customer base. It's not just the product itself. Uh, we only have about 10 more minutes left, and we're going to segue to uh, Miss Rebecca Chavez. Uh, obviously, the Chinese virus hit us in March 2020. It has manifested itself in such uh, ways that you know, getting products, supply chain issues, all that, labor issues. How have you dealt with not only surviving, but prospering through the Chinese virus. So we have had, uh, you know, we have great suppliers. And since we are a chain uh, of about 20 stores, uh, uh, they, uh, suppliers, they, they respect the fact that we have been purchasing from them for years. So they try, uh, they have tried to give us uh, the benefit of making sure we get, we are not getting shorted out. Although on some items, uh, it has been a challenge. Uh, uh, pizza boxes uh, used to come from overseas, not they're made in, uh, locally uh, in the country. Uh, chicken wings has been a challenge. So Those let me ask you about chicken wings, because I know you serve them in your restaurant, right. and I didn't mean to interrupt, but this has always fascinated me. Why is it easier to get chicken thighs or chicken breasts, but not chicken wings? Because I understand, you know, you know, they're all parts of the same bird last I checked, you know. Why is it so difficult to get the wing part? It's, 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 just, uh, it's, it's just been very <laughs> difficult. On that part of it, it's very difficult. And we have uh, had to 
make some major changes uh, on that area. But we still, you know, we still manage to serve the product, and we we do serve a pretty good product on uh, on that. But yeah. it has been, I mean, with what you were saying, it's it's been a challenge uh, on the product end. But we have made tried to make sure our franchisees have uh, not suffered throughout this process, and our suppliers have been very good with us. Yeah. My guest is Mr. Hassan Aslami. We're talking about how to build a local franchise. He owns Pizza 9. He also owns Cello Grill. And we're going to talk about Fun Daxi. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. So another thing, and I'm editorializing here, a lot of the, frankly, and, and, and you're not saying it, I'm saying it, some of the democratic, more liberal policies have actually incentivized millions of people to stay home and not work. Have you experienced labor issues in terms of just people working at the you know as a clerk around the counter cooking the pizza have you had during this you know this chinese virus have you had labor issues as well so you know we jeffrey we have a fantastic group of uh, employees and management team that have been with us very faithful our our people are very passionate about what they do and uh, we have uh, we have great managers and as a result of that those managers have been uh, have been hiring great employees. You know, of course, this is this has been a much tougher time to hire. A lot of people have uh, had have felt that. I have tried to, as the CEO of this company, I've tried not to use that as an excuse to give subpar service to our customers. Yeah, you know, I just refuse to do that. Has it been tougher? Of course, but I just uh, uh, appreciate our staff that has been. Uh, sticking around uh, and being able to provide good service. I know some of them could have sat home and probably made more money, but they decided not to do to do that. And it has been uh, it's been great. We have tried to take care of uh, take care of them in as many ways as we could. You know, so I think that speaks to your leadership because I know you personally, and I don't say this to. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to lick anybody's boots. I'm not known for that. But I know you to be a very magnanimous person, a leader, and you personify leadership. So you lead by example, and that's the maybe the the, the word commitment is is something that I'm reminded of when I'm in your presence. Commitment, because like you said, a franchise person who owns a franchise under your auspices, maybe they have had a labor issue, but they're so committed that they show up and they do they make the pizza instead of it being relegated to someone else because their commitment is such that they don't want to disappoint their their customers, the brand integrity, you, and or themselves. And maybe that commitment dynamic is part of the culture of, uh, of leadership, perhaps, that you that you personify and the, your, your franchise owners embrace. Yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been tough, but we, day one, we decided we're not going to use this. Uh, I mean, we said we're not going to use anything as an excuse. I know we... Here, everything, everything is being blamed on pandemic. And, and, you know, of course, there is a lot to that. But we didn't want to use that for our customers to give them a subpar service because of that. We try our best. We, you know, the customer is having a tough day. They come in. All they want, they want a good pizza. They want a good product. And that's what we try to do. We want to do it every day, day after day, and uh, move on from that, yeah. you know. We've got about eight minutes left. Uh, I want to expedite the conversation and kind of cover a couple of other points. So if someone's listening, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, and they're interested in maybe learning more about starting a franchise, investing, what is the process? What does that look like? Uh, you know, uh, actually, everybody, uh, I mean, it's uh, very lucky nowadays you can uh, go, uh, get on uh, uh, social media and uh, Google out about franchising in general. There is a lot of uh, information. There is a lot of great information on franchising, whether you're, if you're interested in purchasing any kind of franchise. Uh, I would say uh, that, and then also if you're uh, more than welcome to uh, contact uh, contact our office, contact us, even if you're not looking into a Pizza 9 or a food, uh, but you're still looking to purchase any kind of franchise and you want some general information, uh, we can definitely help you out because there is a lot of laws uh, that 
uh, a franchisor has to follow and uh, and and they, they you need to be aware of those to make sure uh, like for example a lot of franchises have to have uh, if they want to give you any kind of financial numbers they have to have a uh, item 19 filed with the Federal Trade Commission and if they don't have that filed they can't just give you a number from one of their stores and uh, and, uh, and tell you that this store does you know three million dollars a year or so and if they don't have that number filed with the Federal Trade Commission so you you do need to do your homework uh, again uh, just uh, make sure you study the culture of that company uh, the investment part of it uh, just there's so much involved in that it's just like opening your own business except you're going to be bound by some laws and rules and make sure uh, one thing is talk to other franchisees you know uh, like in our group we have about uh, 10 franchisees uh, that are in our system uh, you can you get the uh, phone number and contact for every one of them and you can contact them and they'll tell you firsthand yeah. what their experience is uh, yeah you know. my grandmother used to say when i was single make sure you look at the girlfriend's mom because that's that's what uh, it's going to happen it's a joke just kidding uh, as we conclude getting back to the franchise the pizza industry in and of itself uh, while other genres of restaurant, like maybe fine dining, have suffered during during the Chinese virus because it's hard to order, you know, uh, steak Diane Oscar style in a box. But the pizza industry, correct me if I'm wrong, has actually excelled in some industry in in some cases. W- would you agree with that? The well, pizza industry. Yeah, I, you know, because people had to stay home, so pizza travels very well. And, and so uh, last year uh, was, uh, you know, we had uh, definitely double digit sales growth uh, with every one of our restaurants. We And we continue doing that, even though with the dining rooms uh, open up and the fine dining opening up, we're still uh, experiencing a double-digit sales growth. And that's, uh, I contribute that to our, our team. And you think group. that will continue? Uh, I, I think it, it uh, might uh, not be as uh, lucrative uh, years to come but it is uh, nevertheless it's a good sales growth for the uh, for fast casual restaurants like ours well i think human behavior changed during the pandemic in that behavior in terms of ordering food was much more accelerated ordering it at home and so that food item better be transferable like you said like pizza is versus a fine dining item like i just said uh let's say lobster or something like that, that does not travel as well. People tend to forgive pizza a little bit more because you can eat it cold, hot, very hot. You could reheat it. And so that's the food that you're, that, that almost is an ideal situation for being a, a deliverable product at home. Only got a couple of minutes. Um, owning a franchising, investing, again, Mr. Hassan Aslami is my guest. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. It's really, relatively speaking, not as expensive as the average person might think, what does it cost to maybe invest in one of your franchises? Well, basically, the, with any franchise, there's a franchise fee involved, which is somewhere uh, with ours is about eighteen thousand five hundred dollars on our uh, on, on on pizza. So eighteen thousand five hundred versus, uh, let's say, a McDonald's as comparable would be what eight hundred thousand. Uh, no, I, I think I think their franchise fee is somewhere around thirty, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Oh, I'm not okay. sure the formula. The franchise fee is the same, uh, very close with a lot of op- uh, other operations, and that's the fee that gets them up and running. The, the cost of the build-out, depending on the, what they're looking at, uh, whether they're building a 1,000-square-feet restaurant or like in Alamogordo, we have a 12,000-square-feet restaurant, uh, Pizza 9, which uh, is uh, almost like a million dollars. We built it ourselves. Uh, but uh, so the cost will go based on uh, what they're building, what size, and what the cost So they can is. have different configurations. It's got about a minute and a half left. They can do a, a big store where people can dine in, or they can even do a, a, a maybe just a delivery-only store, carry-out delivery-only store, yeah. which is going to be a lot less expensive. Exactly. And so there are different configurations and models. All right, we're concluding with Mr. Hassan Aslami. Any concluding thoughts, and what is your contact information at Pizza 9? So uh, our uh, contact information, uh, pizza, uh, you know, pizza9.com, uh, contact us uh, or call our corporate offices, 
uh, 505-764-3782. Uh, we are, you know, I'm glad to say we have signed up a, a master franchise outside the country in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. So hopefully some, <laughs> uh, the, the next couple of years, if you happen to travel there, you can have a Pizza 9 from oh. New Mexico over there. And a Swedish massage. We are, we are, excited, we are excited about <laughs> that. And, uh, you know... I appreciate you and Eddie for giving us this platform. To oh, thank you. Uh, well, you're a local business. You employ a lot of people. You make a great product. And you're also an extremely magnanimous person and altruistic, which is a good tra- a transference to our next guest, which we're going to talk about your magnanimity. Thank you very much. So, Thank yeah, you. Thanks uh, so much for doing that. It's very thank cool. You. I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, with, with Mr. Aslami for about five years, and he really is what he said. I mean, he really gives back mm-hmm. the brand integrity piece. And you understand that. You're running for mayor. The integrity of your brand, your character, it transfers to even a food product. Mm-hmm. And when, what, I, what I really appreciate about Pizza 9, because everybody makes mistakes, when an order is errored, they absolutely not only make it right, but they, they, they do much extra to sincerely try to you know, make that error right. Yeah. right. And you tell a lot about people when they make an error and yeah. a mistake and how they manifest their character or not so much. Once again, I'd like to thank Eddie Aragon for producing Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. The next uh, part of our uh, interview is going to be with one of my associates as well, who I know, and her sister Valerie, very hardworking uh, family. Uh, it's Rebecca Chavez, and you're the marketing person for one of Mr. Aslami's uh, ancillary businesses. He created this really unique fundraising apparatus called Fundaxi. Welcome to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, Rebecca Chavez. Thank you, Jeffrey, for having me. Yes, I am the HR and Marketing Director for Fundaxi. And what we are is we are a new modernized platform that is streamlined and helping our Fundaxer, which is our organization, our association, our school programs, our sports teams, creating that platform and an and a place for them to come together and find a community-based partner to host their fun- their fundraiser app. Sure. So, again, everybody is aware of the traditional ways of raising funds. Everybody's been to a car wash or a, you know, enchilada dinner or a bake sale. And what people don't realize is on the other side of that effort, you know, a charity is going to benefit from our supporting that effort. But it takes a lot of work to put together a fundraising event you know, systems in place, the transparency part we're going to talk about. So Fundaxi is a local fundraising instrument with transparency that can help anybody out there listening that wants to fundraise for their charity or their nonprofit organization. Is that right? Yes, correct. And, you know, the Dine to Donate has always been around, Jeffrey, right, since the beginning of fundraising. Dine to Donate? The concept, Dine to Donate. Has Meaning we go to a restaurant, restaurant to support, okay. support a local cause. That's been around forever. However, what Fundaxi is doing is they're modernizing that system, and they're providing a platform that allows a streamlined experience for the organization to benefit, as well as the business. So the business, who is our community-based partner, we're strategically bringing in a new customer base to their restaurant or their service industry on what would typically be a slower day or a slower night, helping them gain new customers but at the same time, allowing them to give back to our community yeah. and bringing their restaurant or their service location into that platform. My guest is Rebecca Chavez. I'm Jeffrey Candelaria. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. We're talking about with a local company called Fundaxi. Anyone out there that has a restaurant or a venue like a hair salon, all of us who own businesses, whether it's a hair salon or a restaurant, there are certain day parts and days that aren't necessarily as busy. So, for an example, we were just at Slate Street in uh, Rio Rancho recently, and it just happened to be not particularly busy. It's not his fault. It's, it's, it's Thursday. We happen to be taping the show Thursday between 11 and 3 o'clock is not maybe a busy time for a particular restaurant. Fundaxi can be a solution for that dark time in a restaurant or host venue because we, we would drive customers to... That venue, correct, Rebecca? Exactly. And also those customers would pay full price, so it's not a discount apparatus, and they'd also be earning loyal customers who may, maybe have never been to your salon or your restaurant. Well, well, concomitantly, 
doing good for the community because they're supporting a charity. Is that kind of how it yes. begins to work? That's exactly how it works. And being that we are in an innovative platform, we have the ability to help both of the community organizations and our business track the data so that we can provide the analytics to them, showing them that these events are going to be successful and have been successful. Yeah, and the, the beauty of it is the demand side is created by the charity or the nonprofit organization. In fact, one of the people that we're going to be working with, I believe, because I'm helping with Fundaxi. Yes, is we appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you. Let my wife know. She doesn't always <laughs> agree. Uh, just kidding. Uh, is the Animal Humane Society. Uh, we're looking at working with, uh, let's say, American Lung Association. Yes. Smaller charities. That. So the beauty is, and I want our listeners to, to know this, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelari. We're talking about Fundaxi. If you're a charity or a nonprofit, it doesn't cost a dime. It, no. it, there is no obligation. There aren't any any of those kinds of, you know, legal, you know, attachments to this thing called Fundaxi. It's free to sign up. Talk a little it bit about that. It is free to sign up, and we also provide the organizations or causes with the marketing materials that they need to hand out to their friends and families, board members, to get more people into that host location. Yeah. So as soon as they sign up, they get a flyer. They get digital flyers for social media. They get links to send through emails. So that way it's driving yeah. more people in. But it's free for them to sign up, and they can use our platform and our host locations as many times as they want. My guest is Rebecca Chavez. She is the marketing person for Fundaxi, which is part of Mr. Hasaslami's auspices as an entrepreneur and somebody who's very magnanimous, altruistic in our community. I've got to tell this story quickly uh, about Mr. Oslami doesn't know this. About 10 years ago, I asked for some pizza when I was still at the Hispano Chamber, and it was for some Girl Scout charity like we're talking about, and Mr. Oslami was so generous. I think I asked for five pizzas. He gave us 15. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, just philanthropy that, that he represents. And Getting that's actually the reason... Um why I wanted to work for Fundaxi. You know, his leadership, the part of being able to be part of my community again and be the matchmaker between yeah. our restaurants and our organizations is the reason why I really wanted to join Fundaxi. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelay. My guest is Rebecca Chavez with Fundaxi. And again, you are an Albuquerque-based New Mexico company, so it's not some, you know, apparatus from New Delhi India. I mean, we're all here, right? And exactly. so that, that service to the host venue, whether it's a restaurant or a hair salon, the service to the customer, the, the nonprofit, the charity, it's going to be very hands-on. Yes, I have an amazing team that's on-site. I have a marketing manager, a marketing assistant. I have my tech guy who is able to make changes at the drop of a dime. Um, we are able to answer questions for anybody who calls in. If you call, you're going to get a real person. Yeah. And that, I think, gives us an upper hand and And you have transparency because I think that Mr. Aslami, as I remember him talking about this, and all of you listening have gone to a, to a, you know, a charity uh, enchilada night or a, you know, whatever. We don't know what the numbers are, right? And we're not, you know, we're not uh, trying to position the restaurant owner as a bad person. But the charity doesn't often know how much was raised for that bake sale, whatever. With your apparatus, Fundaxi, everything throughout the process is tracked. crystal clear, tracked, and it's transparent. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So we have two different platforms. We have your traditional fundraising platform, and we have a digital platform. However, both of them are tracked. Data is kept. And we do reach out, and we let the organization know exactly how much funds were raised, how much they received out of the funds raised, and that gives us an upper hand as well because we're creating that transparency act aspect for everybody. Yeah. So they're able to actually know and see why it was successful. And all this is negotiated beforehand. So the percentage by, let's say, the restaurant owner might be 10, 20, 30 percent, whatever it is, that's negotiated prior to the event itself, right? It is. So all of our partners are listed on our website. They have the percentage that they are willing to donate back. And they also have all of their available times and dates. So as soon as somebody goes on as a Fundaxer to register and set up their profile to host fundraising through our platform, they're able to log in, look at each partner, see when they're available, select their date and time, put their information in, update their logo, and boom, they have a flyer created and they're able to start marketing and promoting it. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelari. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. Thank you, Eddie Otagon, for producing the show. Thank you, my sponsors, by the way, uh, Pluma Construction. I'm going to be bringing on a couple of uh, 
uh, expert economists on as sponsors and a couple of other folks uh, very soon. So if you'd also like to sponsor Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, get a hold of me, 6049081, and we can make you a sponsor. We're very organic here. We absolutely build a loyalty of, for our sponsors. And again, we're very accessible to you, our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. So, Rebecca, the three constituent components to fundraising with Fundaxi are you need a charitable cause, right, a charity or a nonprofit cause, let's say Animal Humane, you know, being a voice for uh, abused animals. You need a host venue, maybe a hair salon, maybe a restaurant, and then you also need people that want to support that charity, right, or be loyal to that host venue. So those are the, essentially the three constituent parts of Fundaxi? They are, and so the individuals who are hosting are needing to raise funds. Those are our Fundaxers. We have our partners. Those are our businesses, our service industries, our barber shops, our salons that want to host these events. And then we have our funders, and our funders are those people that are showing up to the events to donate. The supporters. Yeah, the supporters. And what's really great about our supporters is when they're coming into your location, they're paying 100% of your menu price or your service price. So it's not a discounted customer. It's a customer who's coming in wanting to donate, wanting to support. And And wanting to experience maybe your restaurant. Exactly. Or salon or whatever it might be. Yeah, they may not have went there unless it was for the fundraiser. And then the business gets the opportunity to really show them what they've got and at the end, they're going to gain a new lifetime customer. So the return on a Fundaxi customer for a business, there's no value on it. Yeah. I call that the Disneyland effect because I've worked uh, in marketing all my life, meaning when you take a little kid to Disneyland and you and it, it's a good experience, what does the kid want to do? Go they back. Want, they want to come back. <laughs> so the Fundaxi model really lends itself and is conducive to earning new loyal customers and new loyal customers paying full price. It's not those discount folks that just go to a place because they're getting a a discount. Exactly. It's the people that really, truly want to support a cause. Yeah. So if you're a restaurant or you have a hair salon or even a gun shop or anything and you want to host a charitable activity and support, you know, something philanthropic and perhaps earn new customers, uh, get a hold of Rebecca Chavez. What is your contact information? My email is Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, at Fundaxi.com. Or you can call the office at 505-217-1970. And if you're a charity, and I want to stress this point, I think you'll, you'll agree, it doesn't have to be some you know, enormously institutionalized charity like the American Lung Association or American Red Cross. It could be you know, a mom that needs to raise $2,000 because her child is having knee surgery or some, you know, something like that. So it doesn't have to be some grandiose, a charitable, institutionalized, bureaucratic situation. Is that correct? Exactly. We had um, a family, actually it was the neighbors of the family, that needed to raise funds for their child who was going to have a surgery out in New York. They reached out to Pizza 9. Pizza 9 let them know about Fundaxi. They were able to raise funds and help that family go to New York with a little bit less stress and more funds in their pocket to be able to provide this surgical process or the medical procedure yes procedure for the child you know um for example last week our partner at revel burger hosted a fundraiser for our lady of guadalupe church it was an amazing success the church was able to raise 760 dollars they got a check back and our the restaurant revel burger they were able to increase their sales that day by over 100%. Rebecca Chavez is my guest. We're talking about Fundaxi. It's an Albuquerque-based uh, fundraising apparatus. We connect all the dots. We organize the event. We promote, promulgate it for you. And at the same time, we're supporting a, a charity, something of a worthy cause. This is Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. So if you're listening to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria and you want to be a host, uh, again, it could be a hair salon, it could be a gun shop, it could be... Uh, you know, a, a restaurant, any anything like that. Uh, a trampoline get, park. A trampoline no. park. Yeah, that's right. Any, anything like that. Uh, give us a call. And or if you're somebody who who is trying to build awareness for your charity or for your church, and you need to raise some money, uh, give us a call and let let 
uh, Rebecca know that you heard about it through Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. And I'm almost sure Mr. Fun, uh, Mr. Aslami will give you, if you say you heard it on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, a certificate for perhaps to a Revel Burger at Revel. By the way, have you not? Have you had? I'm sure you have I Revel have. Burger. Because see, I forgot to mention. I was remiss. Mr. Aslami also owns that amazing uh, Angus beef green chili cheeseburger restaurant inside the Revel Entertainment Complex. It is so good. It and is. And their sweet potato fries are to die for. I don't eat starch, but I'll tell you this. I will once a month go out of my way, and my wife is part of this process, to order. I get a double green chili revel burger. Oh, you I go do. with the double meat? I do. Those I'm, are really big burgers, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm thin, but you got to remember, <laughs> I drive people crazy. I take the bread off, okay? So I do. <laughs> so I just eat the meat because I'm like, ah, you know, very or, or, or organic that way. But I'll tell you, it's a sensational local uh, green chili cheeseburger because you know, New Mexicans love local green chili cheeseburgers and it's in my estimation it's in the top three of anything served in our state agreed and new mexicans also love companies that donate yeah so you know if you're a business and you're wanting to give back to the community contact me let's get your business what is your contact up. information again it is rebecca at fundaxi.com or 505-217-1970 give me a call send me an email i'll go out and meet with you Literally signing up is as easy as one, two, three, as cliche as that sounds. It is. Yeah. But um, reach out to me. Let's get you signed up. Let's get you some fundraising events, and, and let's and, make it a win-win And let them situation. know you heard about this through Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. What I also want to offer to you and Mr. Islami is once you continue to have successful charitable events, particularly for, let's say, the Animal Humane Society, because mm-hmm. I have a real sensibility to animals that are abused, I want to have that charity on the show to talk about the success and to give our listeners more awareness as to what that charity does. Thank you. That's amazing. That's an amazing well, Don't let anybody know I'm a nice guy. And an opportunity for our organizations to build awareness and get their mission, their value out there so that people are wanting to come to these fundraisers and support them. Thank don't, you. Don't let, it, don't let anybody know I'm a nice guy. I'll That's try not to. Dirty little secret. <laughs> so how did Mr. Aslani come up with this really interesting practical way of, of fundraising, uh, how did he come up with that, this mechanism? So Haas has been in the restaurant and service industry for 30 plus years, and he's been doing fundraising for 20 of those 30 years, if not more. Um, he wanted to create a transparent platform for business owners as well as community members and organizations, so that way there was no question as to how much funds were, re- were raised at an, a particular event. So that's when he came up with Fundaxi. Yeah, and I know that uh, I've done fundraising myself. I worked in a nonprofit environment for 20 years. I raised 15 million bucks, but I mean that's over a 20-year period. I can tell you it is difficult to raise funds. And a particular example of that is as we experience this Chinese virus. I mean, let's face it, we're we're dealing with unprecedented inflation, labor uh, shortages, supply issues. Uh, you know, parts of the population are still very afraid to go out. So, but in the meantime, we still have to raise funds for our charities and our nonprofit organizations. Yes. So it's become even doubly, triply difficult, almost three times as difficult in some cases to do traditional fundraising. So Fundaxi can be a solution to help complement these fundraising efforts. Yes, because we have locations, and I mean, especially now, right, people are wanting to come back to the socialization part of the world. People are missing that. They're craving that. And so we have partner locations that have a place where you can gather. And then we also have locations that are carry out and order online. So that way people have an ease and they also have a feeling of being safe still, right? So they have different options. And that's what we're really trying to do is make sure that everybody has the opportunity to fundraise. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've worked with you now for about three weeks. seems like I've known you forever. You and I have a very similar personality. But I don't like to use the cliche passion, but for the purposes of this interview, you, you have a real, you, Rebecca, have a demonstrable uh, emotional uh, attachment to really wanting this to be continually successful, Fundaxi. Where does that come from, your interest in helping Fundaxi even be more successful than it already is. I do. Um, So I've always been 
very involved in our community. Um, I've sat on previous boards. I like being out there and talking to people. So the fact that I'm able to be the matchmaker between a business or a service location and our organizations, which are our fundaxers, and match them for them to be able to make money and both parties be successful is really my passion. And when I talked to Haas and he explained this process to me, I knew that I had to be part of it. Yeah. And again, you know, I've done fundraising. A lot of us out there listening to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler have participated in fundraising. I mean, you've got to schedule the venue. You've got to promote the event. You've got to figure out how it's going to work in terms of the economics of it. You have to have a bank account. I mean, you've got to, you know, get people there. You have to make sure whatever you're serving, if it's a meal, is on point and, you know, the integrity isn't. I mean, it's a very complicated situation, but because you orchestrate, I, I like that word orchestrate, you, Rebecca, and your team through Fundaxi orchestrate this whole thing, you really take that almost logistical, complicated calculus out of the, no pun intended, equation of fundraising. Exactly. That's what we're here for. We're here to make sure that it's the most streamlined and, mo streamlined and modernized platform for fundraising. Um, that's our goal, as well as making sure that it's a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. Your contact information again? Is Rebecca at Fundaxi.com. My phone number is 505-217-1970. Um, so please, you know, if you're interested and you need to raise funds or you want to be that business that's going to host the fundraiser, reach out to me. It's seriously as easy as 123 to sign up as both the Fundaxer and as a partner. And we are here. You have a full team that's on your side to make sure that these events are successful and that the businesses are also successful. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler. We've got a couple of minutes left with the Rebecca Chavez, and she is with Fundaxi. Uh, the distinction, again, between a classical way of fundraising uh, versus the digital you know, way of fundaxing. Okay, so our digital way of fundraising is we allow the host location to set up as a digital and then the organization drives their customers to our website and they purchase Fundaxi funds in increments of $10. So what this allows is for the organization to know exactly how much money they're raising before the fundraiser occurs so that way they can go out and promote it more if need be. And then it also gives the partner, the business, the service industry a heads up on how many people that they should be expecting. Yeah, that's a great so point. So they can fully staff yeah. and have enough ingredients. So for the service. digital way of doing it, the digital model within the construct of Fundaxi is if I have a pizza place and I'm going to Thursday from 5 to 10 p.m., anybody that comes in will buy a pizza and I'm going to support the Animal Humane Society. The old way of doing it was I don't know how many people are going to show up. Yes. But with, as the host venue, uh, trying to earn new customers through Fundaxi, if I go through the, the digital transparent way of doing it, now I know 100 people are going to show up, so I need to have more staff. Versus, So it, you anticipate the actual inventory, the number of people you need to staff. So it really even solves that problem because I've known I've gone to a lot of charity situations where I go and there's a line, there's not enough food, that kind of thing. So with your process, you eliminate any of that guesswork. Yes, we do. And then we also offer the classical fundraising option, which is your flyers. And then they bring in the flyers or they show the restaurant the digital flyer. And that's how they uh, raise our money. Your contact information and any concluding thoughts got about 35 seconds. Sure. Rebecca Chavez, Rebecca at Fundaxi.com, 505-217-1970. And again, we are here to help our community and help our businesses all rise together. So please... Reach out to me and I'll get you started. Fundaxi, thank you, Eddie Aragon, for producing the show. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween and thank you, Jeffrey, so much.